Today we're going to continue in the Gospel of John, and I know that's a surprise. Um, I want to show you today how Jesus has an open invitation for all of us to come into the light or into his light. Jesus has an open invitation for all of us to come into his light. You see, there's no life to be found in the shade. There's no life to be found in the shade. You see, what I really want to talk about today is I want to address the issue of shady Christianity. But I'm trying to make it sound as good as possible, and I'm just going to hit you with it straight. I want to tackle the issue of shady Christianity today. Is that okay? Anybody give me permission? One person. I just need one permission. Jeff, thank you. All right. Here we go. Shady Christianity. The Urban Dictionary, the Urban Dictionary, and I'll take you for what it's worth. The Urban Dictionary defines shady as shifty, sly, suspicious, low, or low profile. Shifty, sly, suspicious, low, or low profile. Ah. One of the issues we got with the world today is that the church is too low profile. Believers are too low profile. We're too shifty. We're too sly. We're too low. The Bible defines shady. Did you know that? The Bible defines shady. Watch this in John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. It says this, many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders. Uh-oh. So some of the Jewish leaders believed in Jesus also. Here's a bad but in the Bible. But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. That's the Bible's definition of shady Christianity. Is you believe in God, but you're afraid to admit it. You believe in God, you believe he died, you believe Jesus died on the cross, you believe he sent his one and only son for you, you believe that everything he did on the cross is more than enough to save you, and you accept that part, but you got an issue admitting it to the world around you because you're still a little too shady. Just because you're quiet and silent doesn't mean I'm going to be quiet and silent today, I'm just telling you right now. I don't have a spirit of silence on me. In fact, during worship, the Lord said, you better preach. There's an issue here, y'all. They believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't admit it for what? Come on, come on, read the scriptures with me. They, they, but they wouldn't admit it for, they were afraid of something. They were afraid of something. If you're ashamed of Jesus, it's because you're afraid of something. We should be the most bold, declarating people on the planet. We've got the source of life. We've got truth inside of us. We've got the spirit of the almighty God living inside of us. We should be vocal. We should be loud and loving. Your character and your life should be screaming louder than even your words. But take it, don't take it for granted. Your words need to be loud too. 
Because here's the truth. There's a day coming where Jesus is going to divide those who believe and those who don't. It's called judgment day. And my friends, you're going to see some people that you truly love going the opposite direction. And guess what? It's going to be too late to be quiet, to be loud. It's going to be too late to preach then. We better start preaching now. We better come out of the shade. The title of today's message is You Belong in the Light. So i got three thoughts I want to share with you today. <laughs> Number one, look at your neighbor and say this very kindly with a smile on your face. Shady doesn't look good on you. <laughs> Some of you have been waiting to say that for a minute. <laughs> look, look back at him and say, well, shady don't look good on you either, girl. So this is interesting because we, we're getting to the end of Jesus' public ministry. Like, this is the end of his public ministry. I don't know if you caught this from the, during the series, but like chapter 12, the end of chapter 12 is the end of Jesus' public ministry and the beginning of his private ministry. And he's going into, I'm going to spend time with people who matter the most to me for the next several days before the cross. He's only a few days from the cross. His public ministry is ending and his private ministry is beginning. So the rest of John is going to be spent in Jesus' private ministry. But did you catch that? He had a public ministry along with a private ministry. Some of you have bought into the lie that you need to only have a private ministry. So you keep Jesus to yourself. Just me and Jesus, just me and my quiet time, just me and my prayer time, just me and sweet Jesus, that's it. In my, and some of you will branch out, me, Jesus, and my church folks. There's value in that. I'm not, I'm not ridiculing that. I'm not saying that's, that's, that's invaluable. There's value in that. There's absolute value in that, but that should be producing a public ministry in you. <laughs> so despite all the miracles Jesus did, most folks did not believe in him. Can you believe that? After everything that we've been through for 12 chapters, there's still people who would go to see Jesus, but they refuse to believe in him. And then what's interesting is you had people who believed in him but refused or were afraid to admit it. Some of the ones who believed in Jesus wouldn't admit it for this one simple reason, for fear. They were afraid of something. And my prayer today is that the Spirit of God would show each and every one of us if there's something there that we're afraid of. That he would show us what's standing in the way of our public ministry. So my prayer is this. Lord, show us today where fear is 
and then give us the authority and the power to demolish that fear so we don't live behind that anymore. Instead, we live in front of it. They were afraid. They were afraid of losing something. Here's the million-dollar question. What were they afraid of losing? Or what were they afraid of? Maybe they were afraid they were, they were gonna, of losing a right. Maybe I'll lose some of my rights at work or with my friends. Maybe I won't have a voice. I won't have influence on them anymore if I come all out about Jesus. Maybe I'll lose a privilege, and you probably will. Maybe I'll lose a right. Maybe I'll lose a privilege. Or what about this one? Maybe I'm afraid I'm going to lose what I belong to. You see, at the core of most believers, most believers struggle, here it is, with where to belong. I'm going to tell this side. This side didn't catch it. Most believers struggle with where to belong. They're not sure where to belong. Do I belong only to God or do I still belong to this world? Or can I belong to both? So there's a struggle. Do I belong to the world now or do I belong to God now? And if I belong to God, then what happens to the world? And if I belong to the world, then what happens to God? And we're in this vicious cycle of I don't know who I belong to. So the reason we struggle is because we're more familiar with the kingdom of darkness than the kingdom of light. I just want to be honest with you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to make you aware of something. You are more familiar with the kingdom of darkness. In other words, the world. So the reason you're struggling to know where to belong is because everything that you know that's familiar to you is found in the world. And for some of you, you're brand new to Christ, so the kingdom of God is, is brand new, and you haven't discovered it yet, so you're vacillating between the two because you have some needs that need to be satisfied, but you don't know how to satisfy them in the kingdom of God yet, so you go back to or you refer back to the kingdom of darkness to get a satisfaction. Even though it's a temporary satisfaction, because if it was a permanent satisfaction, you would have never had a need to come to God. Because you would have already been satisfied. And you would have been content to belong to the world. But the reality is, is that Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, led you out of darkness and into light. And then in that process, you discovered something. My life is empty. It's void of something life-giving. And there's a tug on me right now for something more. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you closer to God. Nobody woke up yesterday morning and said, I'm going to find God. I heard he was in my mood. I'm going to catch up with him. Nobody does that. The only reason you're in a relationship with God is because the Holy Spirit led you to him. So get over yourself. <laughs> Amen? So we live in this vicious cycle of back and forth between the kingdoms. 
So we bounce from kingdom to kingdom for our own convenience. But we never really find anything worth anything. Because the minute I got to go to the world to find satisfaction, I've just turned my back on the kingdom of God. Come on. If I even have to go to my friends to affirm me, it means only that I have not been affirmed yet by God. Try me. Post something and see how many times you look to see how many likes you get. How many comments you get. If you don't post, remember what you said at Thanksgiving. How you were selling yourself and building yourself up to try to get a praise from man. Why would we do that? Because there's something missing in our lives. It's found in his kingdom, not in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness will always leave you hungry. The kingdom of God will always leave you full. So the kingdom of light is new to us, and we are not sure where to find what we need, so we refer back to what is familiar. But watch this. But we're born again. I'm born again. We have to throw that into the equation. I'm born again into his kingdom. Let me show you what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone, say anyone, who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. Check this out. The old, it's gone. Say bye. It's gone. So there's a finality to that. The old is gone. It's not going. It's not trying to leave. It's not slowly leaking out. It's gone. You're a new person, and the old life is gone. We're going to have to catch this today. If it's gone, why do we still pursue it? Why are we still looking for it? Why are we still acting like it? A new life has begun. So old is what? New life has? It's just getting started. Oh, hold up a second. So Jesus took my old life and discarded it completely and gave me a new life that is just starting. Now that's interesting. Which means this, most of us in this room aren't mature enough yet. And, and if you think you're mature, <laughs> need I say it? <laughs> There's your issue. <laughs> it might be called pride. But a new life has begun. I want you to notice that this new life has begun. It's just starting. And I want to encourage you with this. This new life that you've been given is just starting, so there will be some struggles. 
Can I just be the preacher that says it? There's going to be some struggles. When you gave your life to Jesus, you became an enemy of the enemy. Come on. You've been given a new life. Your old is gone, so now he can no longer use that against you, though he will continue to try. It just can't stick because of the blood of Jesus. So the old is gone. The enemy's mad. The new life has begun. Now what? Now you're going to face some struggles. Let's just get real about it. You're going to struggle. You might drink again. You might smoke again. You might cuss again. You might swear again. You might, I don't know, lust again. You might do all kinds of things again. It's because you're struggling because the new life has just begun and you're trying to figure out where's my deliverer? Where's my strength? Where's my power? Where's my overcomer? You haven't found it yet and you haven't learned how to sit in that, but that's okay. As long as you're growing towards it. Here's the issue. Here's the issue is when you were born again, you had some struggles. If you're still struggling with born again struggles, you got a greater struggle. (laughs) Can I just say it? Like if you're still struggling with the same old issues, you're probably not growing. I know people, they ask for counseling sometimes, they, they get into a life group, and it's the same old struggles. And I can't say this all the time, but sometimes, can I just be real with you for a minute? Sometimes, I just want to go, can you graduate from the struggle? Can we move up another grade? (laughs) I'm tired of your struggle. (laughs) But then I got to flip the script on myself and make sure I'm not struggling with the same old struggles. Because watch this. As I mature, as my confidence build, as my boldness continues to grow, as my intimacy with Jesus continues to grow, I'm going to face new struggles. New levels, not the same old struggles. If you still got the same old struggles, you're not growing. (laughs) I'm just trying to encourage you. If you're tired of dealing with the same old thing over and over and over again, chances are your friends are tired of you struggling with that too. (laughs) How about invite them in to pray with you to graduate from that class? Can we just move up? Can I just get promoted to some new struggles? But in order to do that, like we said last week, something inside is going to have to die. So we should be experiencing new struggles because we're not where we used to be. We are growing. How many of you have gotten really familiar with being in a familiar place? I love South Louisiana. Louisiana. 
I love the food. I hate the mosquitoes. I can tolerate the humidity. People are amazing. They can't drive, but that's okay. I love South Louisiana, but can I just tell you, sometimes I just want to go find a mountain. Sometimes I just need a change of scenery. Sometimes I need a higher perspective. Sometimes I need a different bug to bite me. Come on, somebody. Like, whoa, what was that? I don't want to stay familiar with what's familiar. So let me encourage you with this. To be a bit shady in the beginning is understandable. It's understandable. I fully expect a newborn Christian to struggle. And I'm not saying that mature Christians don't struggle. It's just we struggle differently. We struggle with something different than what we used to. Is this making sense? So it's hard to grow when you're only receiving fragments of light from time to time. You can't grow in the shade. And by the way, you don't belong in the shade. Jesus didn't die for you to stay shady. I'll prove it to you in a minute. Let me give you a farm example. Maybe this will help. Anybody, anybody need a fresh farm example? Dang it. So cattle, um, how, many, how many of you, well, don't show your hands. I, let me just say it this way. I'm not, a, I'm not a big vaccination guy. Okay, now I'm not, a, I'm not like the, a radical where I'm like, you know, if you get a vax, you're going to die. I'm not this guy that's posting all kind of crazy stuff about you, you, you stick yourself, you <laughs> wreck yourself. I'm not that kind of guy, so I'm not anti-vaccinations. I believe there are some vaccinations that are beneficial to us. And in the, in the cattle world, there's a bunch of vaccinations that you need to give your cattle so that they don't die of certain diseases. There's actually a vaccination that you can give them so that they don't become, uh, what's the word when they can't breed? Um, infertile. So, so there's, there's a vaccination that you can give them to make sure that they stay able to conceive. But there's, there's one vaccination that I've recently changed my mind on when it comes to cattle because I was heading in this direction of not vaccinating my cattle at all because I want to raise a pure meat that has no chemicals in it. But there is one vaccination that I've come to understand needs to be applied to my cattle. It's, it's a vaccination for a disease called black leg. Black leg. It's a disease that kills cattle quickly. You don't see any symptoms. One day they're fine. Maybe this morning they were fine. But by after lunch, they're dead, and they're dead. Drops them like that. The issue with blackleg is that blackleg is transmitted or, or received in the shady places of the pasture where there's no grass and there's more dirt. So how many of you know in South Louisiana, cattle need some shade, right? So they... The, Nothing grows in the shade. We just learned that, right? Okay. So make sure you're tracking with me. So they go and they lay in the shady places to find cooler temperatures and to rest and to get comfortable, but it's not good for them. Shady places are not good for Christians either. 
it's dangerous to us to live in shady places. Amen? It's a dangerous place for us. Your best growth happens, watch this, in full light. Your best growth happens in full light. So we have no reason to be ashamed of this new life with Jesus. Why would anyone ever find themselves ashamed of Jesus? Why would a born-again believer who was ripped out of spiritual death and brought into spiritual life, all of his sins and transgressions were washed away completely. He or she was given new life. Now you experience emotions you used to never experience before. You have a hope inside of you that you've never had before. There's a purpose on your life. And not only that, you get to continue to walk with Jesus in a relationship where you get to hear his voice and follow his lead. And he always leads you into greener pastures. Why would we ever be ashamed of him? Why would we ever hesitate to tell somebody about the treasure we found? We have no reason to be ashamed of this new life with Jesus. And I, I can promise you this, Jesus does not want to be ashamed of you. He doesn't. And some of you may believe that Jesus would never be ashamed of you, and I would tell you today kindly that you're wrong. But I'm going to preface this with this. He does not want to be ashamed of you. I mean, last week or the week before, we learned that the Father will honor those who serve Jesus. In other words, any person that would give their life in service to Jesus, God Almighty would honor them. That's how much he does not want to be ashamed of you. That's how much he wants to be in a relationship with you. Let me show you a scripture in Matthew chapter 10, because Jesus might be ashamed of you. This is going to be hard. Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version. It says this, Therefore, the one who confesses and acknowledges me before men, in quotations, as Lord and Savior, affirming a state of oneness with me, that one I will also confess and acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. So if anyone confesses and acknowledges me on the planet, I will confess and acknowledge him before my Father, watch this, who's in heaven. You can build your reputation in heaven long before you ever get there. Jesus can brag on you long before you ever get there. It is actually possible to walk into heaven one day and people already know your name. 
and it will be greater than cheers where everybody knows your name. Sorry, it's the best I had. Think about that. If I will confess and acknowledge Jesus, in other words, not be ashamed of him on the planet, then he says, I will not be ashamed of you in heaven before my father. Wow. Say, c'est bon? Ça, c'est bon? Yep, yep. I don't know anything else. That's all I know. Verse 33, though, doesn't have quite the glamour to it. But the one who denies and rejects me before men, uh-oh, the one who denies and rejects me before men, that one I will also deny and reject before my Father who is in heaven. Dun, dun, dun. You see, that's, that's some of them verses that put you in a headlock as a Christian. You have to wrestle with that. You have to internalize that verse, those verses. You have to wrestle with it spiritually. Because listen to me, I'm going to show you a verse at the end of this thing that's going to bring you back to this verse. And you're going to be judged according to Matthew chapter 10. Ah. So it's not rocket science, right? Come on, wake up. It's not rocket science. If you acknowledge and confess him, he acknowledges and confesses you. You brag on him, he brags on you. You tell everybody about him, he tells everybody about you. Pretty simple. You brag on me, I'm going to brag on you in heaven. You brag on me on the planet, I'm going to brag on you in heaven. So when you get there one day, everybody going to know your name. That's Jamie. We heard about Jamie. That's that big brother from Eunice. Come on. But the opposite is true, and we have to wrestle with this. If I deny and reject him, it's not just denying him with my words. It's denying him with your lifestyle. If you deny Jesus when you walk in fear. You deny Jesus when you walk in bitterness. You deny Jesus when you walk in unforgiveness. Side note, if you don't forgive others, you yourself are not going to be forgiven. You're holding yourself in bondage. You deny Jesus when you don't have life inside of you. You deny Jesus when you live shady. Low profile. I'm one of those, I'm one of those you know, secret Christians. I work for the secret service of God. He sends me on special missions. You see, you can't know my identity because the enemy might kill me. Bro, Jesus wasn't even secret. (laughs) So number one, golly, that's a long time on point one. Number one, shady doesn't look good on you. Number two, your trust is proven where you remain. Your trust is proven where you remain. How many of you know you can say you trust Jesus? You can say you trust his plans. You can say you trust everything about Jesus, but it's going to be tested and it's going to have to be proven. (laughs) 
Come on, I'm trying to give you some secrets to life here. If you say you trust Jesus, it will be tested. And when it gets tested, it will get proven. Because a lot of people say one thing, but they live out another. John 12, 44 and 4 to 46. Jesus shouted to the crowds. Notice he shouted. And he mean, ain't many times Jesus shouted. But man, this is the end of his public ministry. And he really wanted to hear, he really wanted them to hear this. Watch what he says. If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. You see the connection? I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Look at me. Jesus don't want you in the dark. He came as light to draw you out of the dark. You can't grow in the dark. You can't even glow in the dark. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so Jesus is establishing that, that when we trust him, we're also trusting the Father. This is so important. I want you to get this. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way or not, but our trust is not in the man Jesus alone. My trust is not in the man Jesus who walked on the planet alone. My trust is in what is called the Trinity. My trust is in the Father, God, the Son, Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit. My trust is in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, not just in Jesus alone. Now, why is that important? Because you need to understand that who you're playing with and who you're in relationship with is bigger than you might even recognize. So your trust is the anchor to your life. I mean, would you agree with that? Their trust is the anchor to your life. Why not drop your anchor only into someone who is solid? Jesus. Why not drop your anchor into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You know, it's funny about when you drop an anchor, as long as the winds and the waves are calm, your anchor never really gets tested. But it's when the wind and the waves pick up that your anchor gets tested. You ever been in a boat and dropped an anchor? And all of a sudden winds come, our current our tide changes, and now your boat's pulling in a different direction, and you're going, oh, whoa, hold on. I don't, man, I don't think the anchor's holding. Okay, if the anchor's not holding, then you might need to drop another anchor but you need to drop it intentionally. So Jesus said, I have come as light to shine in this dark world. Here it is. So that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Whoever puts their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Write this down. You remain where your trust exists. 
you remain where your trust exists. If your trust is in Jesus, you will not remain in the dark. So that's interesting. And it brings up this thought that I want to share with you this morning. Many folks struggle to find out how good God is because they spend too much of their life in the shade. I see it all the time in the churches. Church folks have a genuine love for God, but they struggle to know or discover how good he is because they're too busy living shady. You don't stay in the light long enough. So because you don't stay in the light long enough, you don't get a good taste of Jesus. You don't get to see how good God really is because you don't stay long enough to experience that. So, you will only discover what is in the light when you come into it and remain long enough to experience what is there. So your trust is proven by where you remain. Number three. You may not feel the weight of it now, but one day you will. You may not feel the weight of it now, but one day you will. Jesus continues as he's wrapping up his public ministry. Verse 47 and 48, he says this, I will not, you got to listen to this carefully. I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me. You heard that? Let me read it slow. I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world, not to judge it. Ooh, I'm about to hijack your theology. Jesus himself didn't come to judge the world. He came to save it. He didn't come with judgment. He came with salvation. And even for those who hear him yet still disobey him, he's not going to judge you. That's what he said. He said, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you because I didn't come on the planet to bring judgment. I came to bring salvation. You, you picking this up? I didn't come to the planet to bring judgment. I came to the planet to bring salvation. So I'm not going to judge you here. Some of you thought you just got away with something. Verse 48, but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. So he's not going to judge you right now. He's going to judge you on judgment day. That's a slippery slope. Because we have a tendency to believe if I get away with it once, I'll get away with it twice. If I'm not busted now, I'm not going to be busted later. 
If nobody caught me this time, nobody going to catch me next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can be shady a little bit now because nobody said nothing. See, many times we feel free to do whatever feels good because we don't always suffer the consequences of it right now. So there's this deception. If I didn't get caught last time, I won't this time. Here's what's funny about that. We fall into this deception when we get used to getting away with living shady. It's kind of like rocking a baby to sleep. You don't take the baby by the two arms and go, go to sleep! You don't do that. They'll never go to sleep. In fact, you'll get arrested and end up in prison. And if I find out, you might get beat up. But what do you, how do you rock a baby to sleep? You take the baby, you, you create a quiet environment, and you very slowly. Now, I, I had some kids that needed to ride on a bumpy road in a car to fall asleep. I'm not talking about all that. I'm just, don't get too much in the weeds. But, like, you got to lull the baby to sleep. Right? So a little bit at a time. Just lull them to sleep. You know how we become shady? A little bit at a time. A compromise here, a compromise there. A little bit of embarrassment and ashamed here, a little bit of shame over there. Oh, you're one of those ones. I mean, Peter struggled with it. You're one of those Jesus people, right? No, not me. You get lulled into it. Especially when preachers don't call it out in the churches. Because you see, those kind of messages, I mean, John 12 and Matthew 10, they're not in the church building programs. I mean, I'm surprised you're still here. I'm not surprised. I'm grateful you're still here. And I'm going to show you why in a minute. You see, the problem has become that we focus on the negative side of sound doctrine and not the beneficial side of sound doctrine. You see, what a lot of people don't understand is if, if I have to if I have to entertain you to get you to Jesus, then I'm going to have to keep entertaining you to keep you with Jesus. So instead of wasting all my time, effort, energy, and resources in entertaining you, why not I just do what the Bible says and give you sound doctrine, teach you the benefits of the sound doctrine, get you not to focus on the negative side of the sound doctrine, but on the beneficial side of the sound doctrine, and then maybe you'll get some truth that'll set you free, and you'll keep following Jesus because his words led you to him and not our entertainment. You see, you got to be careful when you read your Bible. You got to be careful how you see the scriptures, how you see his commands. Do you see them as restricting or do you see them as releasing? 
You're going to have to wrestle with that one. When you read your Bible, does it feel restricting? Like, oh, the Bible tells me I can't have no fun. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go here. I can't go there. If that's all you see in, then there's a deeper issue in your heart. Why not ask God to change your heart so that you'll see the scriptures and go, oh, God, thank you for words of life. I needed your words. They give me life. And you'll start to sing like, David, Lord, I live on your commandments. Your commandments give me life. What if we flip the script on it? And you read your Bible with the understanding that it's love. Love tells you not to play in the street. Love tells you not to touch the pot, the crawfish pot. <laughs> I saw some of y'all face, I was like, how you knew about that? <laughs> I'm talking about the crawfish. When your kid's a little bitty, right, and you're balling them crawfish, and they come walking out. I don't know what it is about a hot pot, but it's like a magnet to babies, right? No, no, hot, hot. And if you're a good parent, you'll take their hand and put it real close and go, hot, hot, until your kids do this. This is when you know you got it. They stay walk away, hot, hot, hot. That's their new favorite word, hot. What did you do? You just gave them life. You didn't take anything from them. You just gave them life. So when I read my Bible, I read love. I don't read hate. God don't hate me. He don't even hate fun. Jesus is one of the most hilarious people I know. He tells me to do stuff, and I'm like... <laughs> Bro, you tripping? It's like, it's like, oh no, I ain't tripping. I mean, I get after it. <laughs> you see, the Bible tells us that correction is described as love, not as anger. But the world, or the worldly influenced church. We'll water this all down. I'm not trying to be that guy, okay? I'm not trying to be like the everybody that's doing this and doing that is they're just watering out. I'm not trying to be that guy, but I got to be honest with you. Some people won't preach these kinds of verses. They won't give you these kinds of scriptures that give you real life because they want you to be satisfied in the seat. So I'm going to do some feel-good stuff. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. I'm going to life coach you. I'm going to coach you up. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to fluff your feathers on Sunday. And then I'm going to walk away busted and disgusted and exhausted because I've been trying to blow smoke. When I was never called to blow smoke, I was called to breathe life. So we have to deal with all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. So I love you enough to tell you this. Your best life. Everybody wants to live their best life. Come on. Hashtag living my best life. Everybody wants to live their best life. And you think it's a fireplace on a cool day with no mosquitoes. And I would agree that's a great life especially if you throw in a cup of coffee and a little dessert. Come on, somebody. 
But your best life is found in the light, not in the shade. So come out of the darkness because you don't belong there. You were born for the light, for the open places, not the shade. One last verse. It's not on the screen. John 12. This is the very last verse in chapter 12. This is the last thing that Jesus says in his public ministry. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read you verse 49 and 50. Jesus said this. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say, so because I know that his commands lead to eternal life, I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Ooh, did you see that? Because I know his commands lead to eternal life, I tell you what he tells me to say. His commands lead to eternal life. So tell the enemy to stop convincing you that the scriptures are restricting and they're actually releasing. Remember, Jesus came as light so that you would not remain in the dark. Come on, worship team. Write this down. I'm going to turn it around, make it personal to you. Write it this way. I am not made for the shade. I am not made for the shade. Write that down. I'm not made for the shade. Some people still believe the lie that I was made in the shade. I am not made for the shade. I'm made for the light. I'm made for the light. You belong in the light. You know what's interesting about living in the light is even though you struggle with where to belong, you can discover where to belong. So just because you struggle with where to belong doesn't mean you will never discover where to belong. So if you were born in the shade, you were born into darkness. But by the blood of Jesus, you've been brought into the light. And if you're being honest with yourself today, you've been bouncing between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Can I just tell you, you don't have to stay there. 
you're already familiar with the kingdom of darkness. That's the easiest thing we do. Amen? The easiest thing I can do is refer, refer back or re revert back to my old life, which is gone, by the way. That's the easiest, most natural thing to do. I can go along with the crowd and go back into the kingdom of darkness if I want to. Or I can decide to do something different and discover what's in the light. Because this new life that I've been given has begun. And Jesus' plan is to take me out of darkness and into his glorious light. So that I will not remain. Come on, you got to get this. I will not remain in the darkness. So you can have as much light as you want to. You can be as close to Jesus as you want to. You don't need another church program. You don't need another life group that will help. You don't need another sermon. You don't even need another church attendance. I'm stepping out on a limb. You don't even need that. All you need to do is to decide to live in the light and to go wherever Jesus goes. How do I make that decision, Pastor? Great question. You sit on your blessed assurance. You invite Jesus to come sit next to you. And you confess to him and with all honesty that I've been struggling. I've been ashamed. You ask him to forgive you. And then you confess to him, I really want to discover what's in the light. I want to go where you go. I want to be where you are. And you can be brutally honest with him. I'm nervous, though. I'm nervous. I have some fears. And, and the Holy Spirit would probably ask you, well, what are those fears? And then here's the cool thing is that as you confess those fears, the Holy Spirit will start to drop them. He'll drop them like they're hot. Come on, somebody. And then you can walk out of that prayer moment. I'm telling you, I'm as honest as can be. This can happen this afternoon. It can happen in the morning for you. It can happen for all of us. You can walk into the meeting with all your baggage and your shadiness, and you can walk out in the light. And you can remain in the light as long as you are connected to the vine, as long as you go where Jesus goes. You can live in the light. And in that process, you begin to discover how good God is. Because I promise you, not a single one of us has tasted the fullness of God. Not any one of us has seen the end of God. We've only just tasted a bit of it. So you can leave the shade today. You can leave it tomorrow and you can come into the light. It's that simple. But what if I go back? What if I get around that, that person that I'm afraid to offend or I'm afraid of what they think about me or I, 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 I love their praise more than God's praise? What if when I, when I get around that person? What if I fail? What if I get shady again? Then sit down again. Invite Jesus in. Confess your sin and walk out. What if I do it again the next day? Sit down. Invite Jesus in. Confess your sin. But pastor, that seems a bit redundant. You better believe it's redundant. 
You know what I discover when I do that? That no matter how shady I get, no matter how much I compromise, Jesus still comes and sits with me. The devil's a liar. He lied when he said when you messed up this time, it was the last time. That it was over with, that God turned his back on. He lied to you. There's only one way to find out if he's lying. Go sit down. Invite Jesus in. Confess your sin. And leave the shade behind. And in the process, you learn how to live in the light. Now, for some of you, you need to change some of your relationships, too, in the process. Because you're around too many shady people. Can I get 10 minutes on that on the shady people part? I heard, I heard you say, Gleason called a witness. She didn't say it real loud. She's like, uh-oh. Some of you need to change your, your friends. Your friends aren't going where you're going. They might go. They might come out of the, the shade with you. But they'll never follow you if you're trying to please them. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We bless you. Jesus, I thank you that you are light. You didn't come and became a light. You came as light into a dark world to save us and to call us out of darkness. Lord, I'm afraid that there's, there's too many of us in here today that if we were honest, we would say, I've been shady. I've been too low profile. I've denied you. Not only with my words, but even with my attitude and my lifestyle. So Lord, I'm afraid there's too many of us here today. I'm so grateful for your grace. Thank you that we get to learn how to live this new life that's begun. Help us to discover the goodness of God in the light. So much so, Lord, that we'll grow sick of the dark. That even in our darkest hour, our greatest testing, tempted the most to run back to the shade. We'll just remain in the light. Help us, Father.